With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. They're in. Yes, they're in. The Carolina Hurricanes have clinched the a playoff berth for a third consecutive season for the first time since relocation. And, and really, in legitimately at least, um, the first time ever in franchise history because I think the, the Whalers made it like eight straight years or something, but half those years they were below 500 and the playoffs weren't, in, you know, they, it's different, different time. Right, you tell me that old time hockey just not as what it is today. I'm saying that uh, Wayne Gretzky might not score 200 points in this season nowadays. Blasphemy! The Hartford Whalers were frauds. Oh no! Uh oh! <laughs> well, this is the Canes Country Podcast. Uh, my name's Brett Finger. I'm joined by. Uh, Ryan Hankel, Andrew Schnicker, how are you guys doing? Doing well. It's good to be uh, good to be back on these yes, uh, airwaves with you guys. <laughs> back on the ESPN <laughs> airwaves. <laughs> Sports Ryan, Center. So I don't think the NFL draft picks back up until tonight. But <laughs> Andrew, you got an inside information on the draft. There you go. That wasn't me, but. <laughs> yeah, that was me. Yep. Um, it's a busy time, um, and including ESPN alerts, apparently. So let's go through the past week of hockey. I mean, it it feels like after they clinched the playoffs, they started playing a little better, which I guess is a good thing. I mean, if, if I was to pick uh, starting now, if I'd rather them play better now compared to when before they made the playoffs, I would pick now, but... Um, they finished off their their time in Florida with a four three overtime loss. Went to Dallas for for a two game set. Lost the first game in overtime. That was the clincher when they lost in overtime on Monday. Picked up their sixty ninth point of the season to lock up a playoff berth. Nice, and as we expected, Max McCormick was the guy, and Yanni Hockenpa. Those were the guys that that led the Hurricanes to the playoffs this year, um, with goals in that game to force overtime, where they ultimately lost, but they did clinch a playoff berth. And then since then, five one win in Dallas the next night, followed by a three one win over Detroit last night uh, back at home. So. Outside of the playoff berth, uh, the the big news being this past week that a Tavo Teravine is back on the ice, and b Brady Shea is back on the ice, and both of them scored last night. Yeah, I think Tavo Teravine coming back is obviously massive news. You had hoped um, 
you know, over this last handful of games that it would be any day now because they did take, you know, he was back practicing with the team. They took him on the road trip with them, which seemed to be hopefully a good indicator that he would get in. He ends up getting in the last game of the road trip. And I think, um, you know, he maybe hasn't quite been at the dominant level, but especially last night against Detroit when he had a goal and an assist, I think he's looked pretty good for having missed about 30 games or so with those concussion symptoms and how long he had to be out. Um, and I think it's big too, because you get him back. There were, I think it was eight games left when he came, when, you know, that night that he came back, including that night. And um, so you get that, uh, that little bit of time to build him back up and get him back up to speed and really hopefully back to full go Tavo Teravainen going into the playoffs. Cause I mean, we've talked time after time after time on this podcast about how important a full go Tavo Teravainen is to this team, how important it is for them to have that in the playoffs if they want to do what they want to do, which is obviously compete for a Stanley Cup. And I said this last night, but the Hurricanes have been a very good team this season, largely without Tavo Teravainen. They really have not had him much, and they haven't had him as his usual self much. Um but the Hurricanes are a much, much, much better team with Tavo Teravainen in the lineup. The Hurricanes are undefeated with Tavo Teravainen returning. Yeah, <laughs> this is true. They, 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 they beat the Detroit Red Wings, so you know that that's a that's a positive. The historic franchise, <laughs> a real hockey franchise. <laughs> and you know, like Tavo's you, you could tell he's not one hundred percent. Because he, you know, he chose to shoot instead of passing it through three uh, Detroit Red Wings. So you can tell Table is not quite up to speed yet. Shocking. But, you know. He's clearly rusty. I don't know. Clearly what, rusty. What was he did choose there. to pass that in alone. Yeah, that was a that was a bold decision, but it worked out for him. But getting him back, I mean, it, Ryan, you wrote about this, and we've talked about this here many times. It's probably the most important addition that the Hurricanes could ever make around this time of year. Just, a, what, seven games until the postseason now? It's... it's Six, yeah. Yeah, so it, it's... um, It's huge. And, and getting Brady Shea back is also very big. Uh, I think we all agree that right before the... Probably the last couple of weeks before he got hurt, he was playing at a level that he hadn't yet reached with the hurricanes and you're kind of waiting for him to really, you know, like, all right, man, we trade a first round pick for you. What are you going to be for us? And it it took a while and you know, it's not uncommon for defensemen to take time in Carolina to get going over the past couple of weeks before his injury. He, he looked like he was really coming along. And then, of course, he takes to the run from behind from Blake Coleman, and he missed some games with a concussion. And now he's back, and that's huge. That's a top four defenseman in Carolina's depth, depth chart. So that's I think that's that's also big. Yeah, I think, too, with that, getting him back, and he looked, you know, he was a little rusty in the first period, but he looked good. Um, you know, you always worry about it, you know, with being in the concussion protocol. I think it's big that it, that that his situation obviously ends up, um, every concussion is different, that his situation ends up, especially this close to the playoffs, not being 
a Tavo Teravainen like situation and he's able to just, you know, it's pretty minor. Um, he said last night that he actually was feeling things went away pretty much after a couple days and he was feeling fine after three or four days, but they just held him out a little longer to be cautious and kind of, I think, I think from what he said, the they kind of knew and were planning even before the hurricanes finished their road trip that he would probably be back in when they got home. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's important to have him not having to go through a situation similar to Terravine and where he's out for so long and then he comes back and has to get up to speed because you're right, Brett. He'd been playing his best hockey as a hurricane, um, adding some really important elements to this blue line. And I think, you know, obviously not on the same level as Tavo, getting Tavo Terravine in back, but you definitely want to see a full strength Hurricanes decor going into these playoffs. It's I got two things. Like one, I think it's amazing that the Hurricanes have turned Brady Shea into this like defensive like stalwart. Like he gets the most defensive zone starts I think out of all of them, and like he's just become this really stable penalty killer. And it's like you saw him in New York, and he was like a point getter. And like the Rangers were like, oh, he can't defend worth a damn. And now he's like the Canes have turned him into this defensive monster. And like the second thing is like I, I just wonder what it is about the Canes' defensive system. It's like it's Every single defenseman that comes in here, it seems to be, it just takes a few months really to learn it and be good in it. Dougie Hamilton, Jake Gardner, you know, I, you could even argue Joel Edmondson and now like Brady Shea, like it just, for whatever reason, just defenseman, just it, they like, they have this like come in, they drop and then they slowly go back up and then they like go way past where they like were on other teams. It's, I don't know why, but it's, it's. Just a thing that happens in Carolina. Brett, Brett and I have talked about this. Um, I think it might have been a week that like your internet died and you were off the end of the podcast because we've gotten a question. But the the Hurricanes and Rod Brindamore's system asks a lot of defensemen. There, there's a lot of things you have to know. You have to because they, you know, they want them to jump into the play and be active. But you've got to figure out when to do that, when to hang back what the right play is to make. I mean, there's, especially as, you know, kind of a top four two-way guy, it's a little different. I mean, I'm not insulting anyone here, but it's a little different for a Yanni Hockenpah type maybe who's maybe being asked to play a little bit of a different role. But no, it, it's, there. there's a lot that you have to learn in this system as a defenseman. Yeah, and there's a lot you have to get used to. Uh, you know, Bray Shade, I... He's he's certainly been better. I mean, it, that's indisputable. He's he's looked much more comfortable as as a member of this team, and, and hopefully that continues. Also, really helpful for for him has been playing with Brett Pesci, who I I mean, I'd still I think I had him as my MVP of the team for the first half. Uh, I I think extremely highly of him. I, I think he deserves to be in the Norris conversation. I honestly do. Based on his numbers and, and, and what he means to this team, I, I think he and Hamilton are both guys that deserve to be somewhere at least near that discussion. If 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 you're bringing in a new new guy like, like Brady Shea, uh, I can't think of a better player to put him next to than Brett Pesci. Um, and, and they've been really good really over the past couple weeks and and that's huge going into the playoffs because they're going to need a, a really strong second pairing that that works well together 
and it looks like that that might be the case for them. Uh, another thing from the da- uh, the first few games of Teravinen being back, uh, the return of Aho Sveshnikov Natchez or not Natchez Teravinen as as a line. Yes, yeah, that's um, that's big because even before when everybody was healthy, um, other than I think that last game that Teravinen played before he had to go back out, which was against Detroit. Brendan Moore hasn't gone to that line a ton this year. And I think mm-hmm. now that you kind of have, because remember going into the year, our question mark was, well, can they get enough from the top six? Can they get a bounce back from a guy like Nino Niederreiter to have that other top six forward? And what is Vincent Trocheck going to be? You have emphatic yes answers to both of those questions. So now you can afford to load up your top line. And I think a um, top six of SAT and then... Nino, Trocek, and Natchez, who have been a really good line this year, is a is a great top six. Now, last night, um, Brenda Moore put Niederreiter with Stalin Fogel and put Cedric Paquette with Vincent Trocek and Martin Natchez because, mm. of course, he did. But um, <laughs> um, every now and then when it comes to forward lines, Rod Brenda Moore going to Rod Brenda Moore. You, you just got to kind of – Except it's it. because but, um, it would have been Brock McGinn, but you know Brock McGinn isn't, yeah. isn't healthy. He, he just loves. He, he loves it. He he does. He just loves it. But my my point being, I think that's a really good top six. But two, I'm I'm not wedded to that top six either. I think for the most part, I'm cool with any combination of the wingers of Niederreiter, Teravine, and Svechnikov and Natchez with um. Alongside Aho and Trocek, if everybody's healthy, no winger who's not one of those four needs to be with either of those two centers. But um, other than the fact that I probably wouldn't put Teravinen and Natchez on the same line, I'm cool with pretty much any combination. Because oh, why? Why? Why wouldn't you do that? Um, well, because they're both right wings, obviously. But um, oh. <laughs> no, I mean, we like we've seen Niederreiter with the Finns. We know that works. We've seen. Niederreiter and Natchez with Aho, we know that works. We've seen Natchez and Svechnikov with Aho, we know that works. I think Svechnikov and Natchez with Trocek would work. I think Teravinen and Svechnikov with Trocek would work. I think Teravinen and Niederreiter with Trocek would work. But I, I, I really do like the look of a top six of that, you know, SAT. You get them back together, back to that just absolutely dominant form that we've seen from them in the past that can just take up over games. And now with Nino, Trocek and Natchez that we've seen how well they've played together this year, you get them back together and going again, you've got a second line that can really follow up SAT and support them. And you, if you're looking at defensive matchups, you can't put all your eggs in the basket of stopping those three. Yeah. I'm not saying that, you know, Tara Vinan, magically kind of like fixes some of Svechnikov's struggles. But I will say Svechnikov had six points in his last 10 games before Teravinen's return. And now playing on the same line as Teravinen, he has four points in two games. So I'm not going to say that's all because of that. I think that. you should say it. I think but you should I'm say saying it right that <laughs> Teravinen seemingly is seen, a, seen all of a sudden Svechnikov's production has jumped up. And then like Svechnikov isn't scoring like he's, has, those are all four assists because Sechkov is an amazing playmaker. If you didn't know, at, at top of being a sniper and a you know power forward and everything that Sechkov does, but 
it's like I think it's Teravinen's ability to control exits and control entries. It just opens up so much space for like Aho and Sochikov like to go to work. Like Teravinen, like on top of like you know the massive vision, the, his just ability to control exits and control entries. It's it goes so far for that line. Uh, he makes everybody he plays with better. We've seen that. We we know that for for a fact over the last few years. We've seen that when when he is on the ice, this team is better. And it's usually that, that they're substantially better. Like that, they, they, he he's that big of a difference maker, and the fact that they you know they they did everything that they've done this year, and they've done it without Tara Vinen. I mean that I think that says a lot about the team. And you know we we we, we talked about that at times throughout the year, but now that they're officially in, I mean that that was impressive that they took the next step in the regular season and they did it without Tavo Teravainen. And I think that speaks to, to the depth of the team and, and guys like Nino Niederreiter and, and Vincent Trocek and, and others stepping up and being key contributors on a team with Stanley Cup aspirations. So that's huge. I think and, Martin uh, H just needs a lot of credit there for um, his yeah. development this season because he's he's not – the same type. He's he's nowhere near the same type of player. I think that Teravainen is, but I think he added um, having him step up the way he has this year. Maybe offsets a little bit of that the loss of some of that creativity that you're getting you with Tavo Teravainen. Here we are, seven games away from six. Six. I did that again. Six <laughs> games away. From the end of the season, the Hurricanes are currently first in the NHL in points. They're one point in front of Vegas, but Vegas has two games in hand. So that, I mean, technically they're in the lead, but probably not for long. President's Trophy? Is this something that in, in your lifetime that you expected for 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 you to be on a podcast and be talking about in legitimate terms the Hurricanes could win a President's Trophy. Well, they almost won it. I think in the year they won the Cup. I think they missed out on it by like a couple points. But I was in um, third grade then and had never heard the word podcast. So, <laughs> so no, I, 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 I very I, important and very I important say, never thought factor in this. Podcast, to be fair, like, you don't know. Those two things together, no, def- definitely not. Did I know I was going to be on a podcast course day one? Did I think the Canes would be the President's Trophy winner? That's questionable. It's um, they're looking really. I mean, obviously, two probably obviously more important. Well, yeah, obviously more important than winning the President's Trophy too. They're looking. Uh, like I said last night, they are they haven't been getting help these past couple games, but every every you know night that all three play and the Hurricanes maintain their lead over the Florida teams is a win. Right now, the Hurricanes have seventy three points with six games left. Uh, Florida has seventy one points, but they only have four games left, so their margin for error is not large. Tampa has seventy points and also has six games left. So I mean, the Hurricanes are obviously in the driver's seat for that and you want that because you want that home ice advantage 
throughout and you want I think you definitely want in order to get to the final four to have to play either Nashville or Dallas and then one of the Florida teams rather than having to play both the Florida teams I've done some looking at this if the Hurricanes finished three and three in these last six games they'd have 79 points in order to simply tie them Florida would have to win out and Tampa would have to go I think four one and one or some other combination to get to nine points And they have two games left against each other, so both those things happening is unlikely. And even if Florida tied the Canes, unless the Canes like won all those three in overtime or something like that, the Canes would have the regulation win tiebreaker. And like if you look at the Canes' schedule, they have one game against Columbus, three against Chicago, and two against Nashville. Oh yeah, you like your chances winning those games, right? They they should not like they should not go three and three. But my point is that even if they go three and three, they've got yeah. A, a very solid chance to win the division. Yeah, the biggest factor is avoiding that Florida gauntlet. Like, like to slip up and like let one of the Florida teams get one, and then you have to play Florida Tampa first round, and then more than likely have to play the the winner of the division after that. Like, it's just it's just hell for Carolina. Well, the other thing too, though, with getting you know home ice advantage throughout, um, or at least throughout the divisional playoffs, and maybe more if you win the President's Trophy. Um, it was an announcement. Uh, I don't know if you guys talked about this last week. I, I can't remember what day it was. And this isn't like official. This is going to happen. But um, Roy Cooper announced, I think, that North Carolina is hoping that June 1st they would lift all mass gathering and um, social distancing requirements, which I think the social distancing requirements are one of the biggest reasons that the Hurricanes did not increase their attendance again that much with the last um, capacity allowance increase. But if, you know, if they all of a sudden had the ability to have um, the start of June, I think would be about the start of the second round. If they all of a sudden had the ability to have a completely full building for a second round series against one of the Florida teams, that's a massive advantage, I think. And you definitely want it so that you're the team that would have four home games in a seven-game series at that point. Yeah, they would just have to hope that with the Cooper passing it, but then you also have to hope the NHL is not going to, you know, be like, well, that's an unfair advantage. We're just going to all of a sudden step in. I thought the NHL came out with something recently that said that, like, in terms of that stuff, they were going to let teams follow, like, their local, um, local guidelines or whatever. Yeah, I don't know, because, like, there was the whole thing with Robert and Leonard that, like, like they, like, they didn't want teams that had been vaccinated to, like, be able to have, like, more freedom of restrictions. So I, I don't know where the NHL stands of all this sort of stuff. Yeah, that's true. Who knows where the NHL stands on anything? That's Who's to say? Certainly not me. Certainly know where they stand about concussions, you know, way in the back. Yes, that is true. Um do we have an answer on goalie interference yet? Do we know? Never. Uh, I'm just not realizing uh, the Vegas Golden Knights have won 10 consecutive games. Yeah. I saw a fun stat about that actually on Twitter. Apparently, in Vegas is, you know, like 200 and some game history. You know, this is their first 10-game winning streak. In the Detroit Red Wings, 6,000-plus game oh, no. streak, they have never won 10 games in a row. Oh, jeez. They have a they have so many cups though. I mean, who cares about winning streaks when you win cups? But I think that was that was like really like 
that was really weird to see. I was like, I was like, how the hell <laughs> Detroit never won ten in a row with their. They super should give teams? out. They should give out a ten win in a row trophy, a real <laughs> a real champions trophy. It's like the Nashville banners. Hey, the Hurricanes will be going for a ten game uh, point streak on Saturday. Yeah, that's right. They have points in nine straight games. They're six zero oh, and three. Yeah, right. They've won six of their last nine games. That's correct. Hmm. Will they get to? Will they get to that? They have Columbus on Friday, and they have that three game homestand against Chicago before going to Nashville for two more to finish out the year. I'm kind of assuming if they're gonna that Columbus has given them problems, but Columbus is like has totally like this is yeah it's gonna be weird because like at the end of the year people are gonna look at like divisions and strength of schedule and be like oh they played columbus eight times okay well playing columbus in february or even early march is extremely different than playing columbus right now um when like they were still like playing like a functioning hockey team um but i'm I'm kind of operating under the assumption that they're, especially with three in a row, that they're going to lose one of those games against Chicago. Yeah. That's a team that's given them a a few problems this year and and a good enough team that I think beating them three in a row, even although it is at home, will probably be a tough ask. Yeah. Uh, Columbus is an absolute shit show nightmare now they have won one game in their last 10 the duality of teams here um yeah they've been terrible Elvis Merzlikens is talking about how he doesn't he's this is embarrassing he doesn't like this he doesn't want uh, them to be Buffalo yeah uh they have really I mean they've they've taken the throne from Detroit at the bottom of the division they have a minus forty-eight goal differential. <laughs> they are not very. Uh, they're 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 collapsing big time, and I mean these going down the stretch. I mean they have Nashville for two and Chicago for three. Nashville is in fourth place right now with fifty-six points in fifty-one games. Chicago has fifty and fifty. The, <laughs> Carolina really decides who is going to be fourth with how they play. Which is which is kind of Rod look, we know Rod Brindamore would never do this and the Hurricanes would never do this. But look, <laughs> if you get to a point, especially going into those last couple games against Nashville, um where you've pretty much got the division on lock, in theory you can kind of think about like all right, who do we want to play here? Because, like, and again, they would never do that. And again, and you're asking for <laughs> all of the bad karma in the world if you do that. But um, throw like, the games. I'd, I'd probably, I'd <laughs> probably much rather play Nashville in the first round than Dallas. Throw the games, as Brett said last week. Throw the games. I think I'd rather play. <sighs> I mean, like, I'm not saying throw the games. I'm saying, um, I'm saying, throw the if games. you want to get James Reimer, his Ryan what, is saying to throw the hockey games. If you want to, you know, if you're feeling pretty good about the division in those two games against Nashville, and you maybe want to get James Reimer, what's probably going to be his last two games in a Hurricanes uniform, you know, that's oh wow, be a nice thing to do. Bold statement from Andrew. 
Andrew, that, that, that you can't have that kind of talk now. Like we went far enough saying throw the games for the bad karma, but now you're wasting. I think you are the one. I think I I think you're you're using we a little little too recklessly here. I think it was you who said to throw the games. I did not. I I said specifically. I I am not saying from last week. I believe it was only Ryan who said that. (laughs) (laughs) Ryan wrote something from last week, if I recall correctly. Huh? No, no, wrong. (laughs) So before we we close this thing out. The NFL draft was last night. Yes. Things happened. Players were taken uh, in the midst of everyone drafting a quarterback and a receiver and a tight end. The Panthers took a cornerback. Yeah, it's... I mean, look, like, you can't watch... you. You can't... Up, up play... It's <laughs> a lot of stuttering. Well, I'm saying you can't have watched the player Panthers and tell me that they don't need a corner, but I think the way all of this played out, like I think if you know that Justin Fields is going to be there at eight, there's no way in hell you should be trading for Sam Darnold. Um, but then they get there and they have him and Justin Fields is at eight. So it's like, what do we do? Like, uh, the interesting thing to me is, too, from, you know, I don't know, obviously I'm far from it, but from what I was reading, that was the first corner taken, but it was, that guy was not the first corner on a lot of people's boards, was he? I don't know. I, I've i been slammed lately, so I, I haven't been able to follow any of the NFL draft stuff. I just know the quarterbacks and the receivers for the most part, but... J.C. Horn. Horny. There you go. <laughs> the Panthers were... No, I'm not, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> what were they? They were, they were horny for some secondary help. They, they, were, they were horny for for secondary help. Like I said, it, it's like I said. Look, if you watch the Panthers last year, they very much needed secondary help. You, you, you can definitely yeah. at least say that. Yes, you can absolutely say that. And Matt Rule apparently loves him some defensive draft picks. Has he drafted an offensive player yet? I don't know because didn't they drafted all defensive players last year, right? Yeah, yeah, they, it was all defense last year. And, no, so and the no, round. they have not. The the well, the thing that sucked for the Panthers is um, Penny Sewell, who is like a generational offensive tackle prospect, um, fell to one spot before the. Um, Panthers and in perhaps the one of the bigger upsets of the draft the Detroit Lions actually made the very much correct pick and took Penny Sewell at seven you hate you really hate to see that though the one time you yeah you you think you can rely on the Lions doing something stupid and letting the generational offensive tackle fall into your lap and then it, it just doesn't happen yeah, everybody wanted everybody wanted a quarterback or, or Kyle Pitts or a wide receiver. It was it was fun. There were commissioner hugs. It was the NFL some made familiarity. A, the NFL made a point weeks before the draft to publicly mm-hmm. announce that Roger Goodell would be allowed to hug the players. Thank God. Yeah, what would we do without that? I don't uh, know. 
Oh, uh, Brett, just, you know, one passing, you know, comment. Also think about the last week, uh, you know. I, knew, I, knew, I know what you're going to say. I mean, so. you know, that's a Diamondbacks with the 2-1 series win there. Uh, so pretty, pretty good there. Yeah, Basically a no hitter, almost almost the seven innings. Doesn't count. It does not count as no hitter. It was seven innings. It uh, seven, here's a, seven the innings pitchers did not decide to make it seven innings. Yeah, it's but it wasn't a seven moment. inning game. Uh, illegitimate, you know, fraudulent no hitter. Inning, Freddie Freeman would have cracked Just off that home run. Fraudulent as the Hartford Whalers. It's almost <laughs> as fraudulent as the Whalers. I'm gonna Almost. be in, I'm gonna be in so much trouble if anyone in Connecticut listens to this podcast. Hey guys, shout out Connecticut. That's from me and Brett. We love Connecticut. I was born there, so I'm nothing nothing but love. I obviously hated it, Andrew. Yeah, yeah, my six month self hated it so much that I bolted for North Carolina as soon as I could. That's how bad it is. Yeah, it's just like the just like their hockey team. The oh, only goodness. memories I have as an infant are hating the state of Connecticut. Mm-hmm. You and Peter Carmanos. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's a good one to end it on. Yep. Um, thank you for listening to the Kansas country podcast this week. Uh, get the full uh, trio here. And uh, this is good. We talked about a lot of things. Uh, certainly a lot of things. Andrew Ryan, where can everyone follow you on Twitter and only Twitter? At a S C H N I T T five, three. At R-Y-A-N-H-E-N-K-E-L underscore. Direct all of your uh, Hartford uh, defense towards those accounts. Just heap love and praise to at Brett Finger on Twitter. That's where you can follow me. And also heap praise to at Kane's Country on Twitter. uh, At Kane's Country Picks, P-I-X on Instagram. Definitely heap love and praise to Kane's Country (laughs) Picks. If there's one account that deserves it, it's that. Go read the site, kanescountry.com. Follow slash subscribe to the Canes Country Podcasts on whatever podcast platform you use. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can listen to the Canes Country Podcast. Leave leave a rating, a review. Those things help us uh, quite a bit. Uh, the Hurricanes are playoff bound for a third straight season. For the first time in Carolina franchise history. That's crazy. We'll talk about that surely and some more game action and get ready for the playoffs next week. Have a good week. Enjoy the hockey. Goodbye.